Hi, my name is Alan Carter. I'm the president and CEO of Cabral Gold. I'm joined today by uh, with uh, by two of my colleagues, Rory McKnight, who's the country manager for uh, uh, for Cabral Gold and is based in Brazil, and Willie Hughes, who is our VP Exploration. Cabral Gold is a TSX venture listed company. Uh, we are we have an advanced exploration project called Cuyu Cuyu in northern Brazil, in the state of Pará. We have two gold deposits already drilled um, that currently contain around about a million ounces of inferred and indicated resources. That uh, resource estimate was uh, last updated in 2018. Since then, we've drilled um, approximately 25,000 meters and we are planning to drill another 25,000 meters uh, in the first half of 2022. We currently have four rigs operating. Last year in 2021, we made three new gold discoveries and uh, we're looking forward to drilling those new discoveries off in some detail and exploring the numerous other targets within the belt. We have approximately 43 other targets surrounding within about a five, six kilometer radius within the two main gold deposits. And we're about 20 kilometers to the northwest of G-Mining's advanced TZ project, um, uh, which is anticipating a construction decision in mid-2022. Alan, thank you. Great introduction. Um, nice to meet you. We haven't met in the flesh and during these COVID times, but here we are over Zoom. Yeah, nice to meet you, Merlin. I'm relatively new to uh, Cabral Gull. I worked in Brazil in 2009 to 2010, um, and I had a look at some of the, um, the, 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 the gold deposits, actually, um, on, on some of those kind of artisanal belts. Um, what's your background and what's your kind of history and your introduction to the to the geology of the area and kind of how did you pick up the project? I'm sorry to kind of ask this kind of, uh, kind of go right back, but I'm just kind of curious as to kind of where it started. Yeah, I, well, I'm a geologist. In fact, we're all geologists. Rory and Willie are both geologists too. I have a PhD in gold. Um, I um, spent about 13 years of my career working with Rio Tinto and BHP. And um, given my background, I've spent a lot of time looking at gold exploration projects around the world. And a friend of mine introduced me to the Tapajos, um, which is an area um, where, which Rory knows uh, better than I do, but it's an area in, in northern Brazil, uh, which is actually the site of the world's largest ever gold rush. Um, and this area during the 1980s, there was about 20 to 30 million ounces of gold extracted from this region, from the streams and rivers in this region. Now that's all placer alluvial gold. And I think the three of us really have been quite uh, obsessed um, by where all this placer gold is, is coming from and where it's being eroded from. And, and, and we've spent a number of years working together. Um, we've, as a group, as a management team, we've been involved, I think, in five gold discoveries in, in Brazil, four or five anyway. In fact, Rory put the first mine into production in the whole region, um, which is called Polito. Um, that's in the same belt as us. So this, this region is really special, Merlin. And the project that we have, there are about 100 areas during the 1980s where people were washing, uh, you know, informal miners were washing and recovering gold from the streams. And the largest one was a project called Kuyu Kuyu, which is the one we own. So it's got an enormous uh, footprint in terms of its placer gold production. Um, there's about almost 18 square kilometers here of historic placer workings. And um, as I said, we have numerous targets here. We have, uh, you know, somewhere between 40 and 50 targets that we've identified so far and two gold deposits. And, and as I said, a number of new discoveries just in the last 12 months. So that's, that's really the background to all this. How did you focus in on the first two deposits, Central and MG? Because those are the two, the ones that you've defined so far. And how did you get from a regional scale down to those original resources? Did you drill those out from scratch or were they, and were they underneath 
Placer deposits, is that your kind of principal targeting mechanism? Uh, one of them's partially under some historic placer workings. Of course, all these workings have, have uh, overgrown and, and you cannot really see any rock to speak of, very little rock exposed. So we define these first two deposits with soil sampling. And we've got, we've got a number of uh, very good soil anomalies and, uh, and Central and MG were two of those. And so we drilled underneath those soil anomalies. We've subsequently discovered that actually 70% of our area is covered by, was covered in relatively recent geologic time by a big lake. And so that has deposited up to 20 metres of mud and sand over about 70% of the area. So that, you know, soil sampling over 70% of this area is not actually effective. But um, yeah, the, the initial two deposits to answer your question were discovered by soil sampling. Oh, interesting. And because um, in recent news releases, and you've been talking about this kind of this oxide uh, um, dispersion kind of halo above the, the higher grade structures. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about the geology of what you've got in the primary or kind of in, in, in the underlying and kind of the, the morphology of it, you know, the, how narrow, how wide is it, it's kind of how prospective it is. And then, then we can talk about the, what's, what, it, what it looks like, uh, the expression above. Yeah, all of our host rocks, uh, Merlin, are intrusive rocks. So they range in composition from diorites up to granites, and most of them are diuretic to granodiorite. So they're a series of different intrusive bodies here. There's no volcanic rocks or no sediments. They're proterozoic age, so they're around about 2 billion years old. Um, the two deposits themselves are what we would term orogenic gold deposits or mesothermal gold deposits formed quite deep in the Earth's crust. Um, and the... Um, one is uh, the central deposit is a northwest trending zone. It's up to 100 metres wide. It's subvertical. It dips very steeply, we think, to the north um, east. And the other one is an east-west trending body called uh, MG, which is five kilometres to the southwest. Um, it's different trend, but basically very, very similar in terms of the host rocks and the alteration. That body is a little bit narrow, 30 to 50 metres wide in general terms, about uh, both these bodies in excess of a kilometre long and are still open. They're open at depth as well. Now, one thing about these types of deposits, as you will know, Merlin, being a geologist, is orogenic gold deposits can go very, very deep. And so we don't know how deep these things extend. We've drilled them to about 350 metres deep. Um, so um, the oxide blankets that you mentioned are flat-lying zones uh, in the unconsolidated oxidized material. So a lot of that uh, lake bed material that I was talking about, the sand and the mud up to 20 metres, um, that a lot of that is actually mineralized. And so both of these deposits have been eroding. Um, as I said, the primary deposits in the granite over millions of years have been eroding and they've formed these sort of flat lying bodies in the unconsolidated mud, sand and soil. Um, and, and so we have two new oxide deposits sitting on top of the two primary deposits. In fact, we, it looks like we, have, um, we, we may have three oxide deposits. Um, so um, these things have been eroded and they were formed by erosion over millions of years. So, Thank you. And I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to get a picture of things. Um, so just going back to the, the, um, the intrusion-related kind of orogenic primary mineralization, um, the grades around kind of one to one and a half grams a ton, kind of it's from the 2018 resource estimate. Is that? Yeah, the two primary deposits, the, 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 the resource estimate of 2018 is very interesting because we had a, a firm, an engineering firm, do the resource estimate. And as you may know, when an engineering firm gets all your drill data for these resource estimates, they actually do a statistical analysis on all the drill results. And um, 
commonly with gold deposits, um, what happens is the, the engineers will put a top cut, and that is a sort of a maximum grade, if you like. So you, your grades in above that top cut level are all sort of dumbed down towards the top cut. Why is that done? Well, it's done because frequently the, the uh, higher grades, you, you don't have a lot of them, and they're regarded as statistical outliers. Now, normally, that top cutting process will result in perhaps the loss of about 5 or 10% of the gold that you've got as indicated by your actual drill results. Now, in our case, when that resource estimate was done, uh, we lost about a third of the gold. So we had a lot of high-grade results. I'll give you an example. For example, one of the zones within the MG gold deposit, we had a drill hole there that cut two and a half meters at 55 grams. For the, re for the purpose of the resource estimate, that became two and a half um, meters at two grams. So back in 2018, there was, <laughs> there was an awful lot of high-grade gold that actually that we drilled and we got the results on, we know is there, that didn't make it in the resource estimate. In fact, there's 500,000 ounces that's not included in the resource estimate. Um, so, um, and, and, and obviously, since, since then, we've done an awful lot more drilling as well. So these things are growing. We're making uh, new discoveries all the time. And, um, and this is a really district-scale opportunity, Merlin. Uh, there are multiple deposits here. Rory and Willie have done a, an excellent job in, uh, in identifying all these targets and, and, get, and, um, and, and you know, getting all the rigs turning. And so we look, we're looking forward to a very exciting year ahead. As I said, we've got four rigs turning right now. So there's a lot going on. Just, just on those high-grade structures, are they? Um, I mean, because rather than just kind of bulking all of your da drill data into some one, um, one kind of ore block, kind of hundred meters wide. I mean, can you map um, these structures with kind of geological continuity within these? Let's call them a structural corridor, which is the your 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 main zone. I mean, it, it, are you going to be able to? Um, model down to the the granularity that's going to be able to give you the confidence to include the high grades on geological grounds, even though they're on a pure kind of bulk statistical model, you might want to exclude them. Yeah, it certainly looks like we'll be able to do that. And we've been drilling, uh, doing a lot of infill detailed drilling, targeting these high grade zones, and there is continuity uh, in, in several of these zones, both down dip and, and along strike. So that is a key the key thing. I mean, to be fair to the engineers back in 2018, they did not have separate wireframe models for the higher grade vein zones within the within both deposits. So that that is a key objective of the current drill program. To put the wireframes on, so you're going to get a, a, a tighter geological model from which they'll be able to do a, um, a, a let's call it a fairer or a more accurate resource estimate. Yeah, we'll be able to model both the low-grade envelopes and and also the higher-grade zones within those envelopes. As I said, they're, they're, you know the central deposit is up to 100 meters wide, and uh, in some parts of it, it has two, three sort of separate high-grade veins that you can actually trace. So, um, you know, um, as I said, that is a key objective of the current drill program. From the edges of your um, structural zone, um, um, 30 to 50 meters at MG, 100 meters um, at uh, central, is it a kind of a sharp cutoff? Does the grade just kind of um, fall away from the edges or is there a kind of a halo around your structure as well? I'll pass that one to Willie. Willie, would you like to comment on that? Yeah, uh, depends on the deposit. Moreira Gomez is more sharp. And central, is, I mean, the thing is, you need to understand that the 2018 resource was done based on all the Magellan drilling, which was the first company that drilled that. And we at the time, which I was involved also with working with Alan and Magellan, um, we did 
quite a wide spacement drilling, right? We, we wanted to build, we were just trying to understand the deposit. So uh, most of this drilling uh, were over 150 meter spacement. So now we are in filling those. We started central by the second last quarter of last year, and we are drilling now. And in Moreira Gomez, we did quite an interesting infill holes every 50 meters. So now we are getting to understand much more. In fact, Moreira Gomez, at the beginning, we thought it was vertical deep into the south, and now we know it's definitely deep into the north. So the model will change radically. Um, in terms of if it is uh, sharp, as I say, Moreira Gomez is sharp. Central, uh, we're not quite sure. I think there is a halo of very low grade. And um, I think with the program we set up now, by mid this year, we'll have a much, much better idea. And the other thing is, if you understand how this, at the, at the Magellan time, we had no idea that this blanket existed because we stepped out and we drill through the saprolite or the oxide into deeper in the hard rock, looking for the, the deposit. So we had very, very little drilling on the oxide on top of the deposit. So that was, um, Cabral found out this late year and, um, and so we have many, many more uh, drilling on the oxide and very, very well-defined this blanket, especially Moreira Gomez. We expect to find another blanket in Central and we have another, definitely another blanket in Pau de Merenda, which uh, we have a lot of expectation in this target. I think the other thing, the other thing to add to that, Merlin, is that these oxide blankets, most of this material was assumed to be sterile waste back in 2018. So material that would have to sort of strip off and pile up somewhere, and there'd be obviously a cost for moving that waste. We now know, as Willie just explained to you, that it's all mineralized. And obviously, because it's unconsolidated, there'll be very little drilling and blasting required, if any, and very little sort of grinding, if any, uh, or crushing. So the both the mining and the processing cost of this oxide material, and there seems to be quite a lot of it, um, you know, should the, the cost should be very low. Before we get onto the oxides, and we will get there, I'm just going to keep plugging away just for my own understanding of the of the of the primary mineralization. Um, obviously, if you've got a width of 100 meters, you'll be able to pull down a pit to a, a certain depth. I mean, the, the the it feels to me that the grades of this, unless you're going to go onto a discrete, unique. Kind of um, small-scale, high-grade structure to kind of chase it further down. Effectively, you're looking at these are these are open pitable ounces, so you'll be That's wanting correct. to drill down to. I don't know what the the, the 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 pits will pull down to, but you'll probably be drilling off to 300 meters and probably not much further. Um, um, how? Yeah, that's right. How kind of far in that process are you in terms of drilling out the the three main um, PDM, MG, and Central down to the depth that you want to, and the kind of the, the drill spacing that you want to? Is is, is that all going to be covered in the next um, round of drilling? The next is it twenty thousand meters? Um, you've got yeah, it certainly will be at uh, at. Um at uh, the two known deposits at Central and MG. We started drilling all this infill drilling at MG last year. So we've got quite a lot of holes into the primary deposit at MG now. Um, and so, um, you know, we'll have a much more accurate, we've got a much more accurate per, uh, picture of the deposit in terms of the geology and the limits to the thing, as Willie explained. Central, 
the infill drilling's just started in November, so we're a little bit uh, behind. We've we've got quite a lot of holes in it, historic holes into into Central, but um, we've got more work to do at Central. So there'll be a lot of drilling done at Central over the next sort of three to six months. PDM not as advanced. PDM is not a, a deposit yet. It certainly is a discovery. We discovered a, an oxide blanket at PDM. This is just two and a half kilometres to the northwest of Central. And now it looks like we're onto the primary deposit, which we've only just discovered. In fact, we, uh, you know, we announced uh, that we were just starting to drill underneath this oxide cap or oxide blanket in the third quarter, I'm sorry, the fourth quarter of last year. And we got the first drill results back in mid-December. Well, that's just about a month ago. About the 15th of December, we put the initial four holes underneath the PDM blanket in the primary that are obviously looking for the primary deposit underneath the um, in the granite underneath that blanket. And, and the fourth hole came back with 22 metres, just over 22 metres, almost five grams, 4.8 grams. So we've made a new discovery at PDM, but it's not as advanced as, a, as a Central and MG. That's a, that's a fantastic um, result for a fourth hole. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think when you consider that we've got, you know, another sort of eight or nine targets with some fantastic grades, and this is all outside. So this is outside. These numbers I'm going to quote you now are, are several kilometres outside of the MG deposit, the central deposit, and the new PDM discovery. We've got uh, 39 metres at 5.3 grams at a, at a target called Mashishi. That's 500 metres away north of MG. We've got 27 metres at 6.9 grams, 500 metres to the southeast of Central, just sitting out there. And we've not done any follow-up drilling on that. We've got 39 metres at 5.1 at Jerry Moon uh, Sema. Um, we've done nothing on that um, to speak of. Just a few. I mean, it, it really is a tremendously exciting project when you look at the number and the quality of all these targets we've got, Merlin. Um, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of areas, a lot of different targets with some very good drill results in them that need more work. Now, if I was um, it, with, a, with a kind of completely blank canvas and with no constraints on land access or geography, um, and if you were just on a flat surface and, uh, and you could just drive your drill truck up to these targets, um, they're very tempting. You, what, what you would probably do is put a couple of holes, under, um, twin, your, twin your old one, and then do a couple of um, fences out to the east um, and would, um, along strike, and then you'd have a look. And with, you've, you've, you said you've had five rigs. Or, um, I know you've had five rigs. We had five rigs last year, but it's the rainy season, so we've let the big rig go. It's not so easy to move the, the, you know, a 25-tonne piece of equipment around in the rainy season. So we're currently drilling with four, but Rory is hot on the... Uh, hot on the trail of a, another small portable uh, rig. Um, so um, we're hoping to move that up to five in the not-too-distant future. But let's, let's say you wanted to put th um, uh, three fences across each of those three or four outstanding kind of regional plays that you talked about. Um, a, did, why didn't you do that last year? And what were the constraints? Because I'm sure there are constraints. And B, are you going to do them this year? And how are those constraints going in terms of environment, in terms of land access, in terms of drill rigs? You know, just Can you talk me a little bit through about the, the process of testing some of these kind of fantastic regional targets? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, with 50 different targets, you can't be working on all these things at the same time. Um, obviously, it's a little bit more difficult to move around in the rainy season. 
Um, although it's raining right now and we're drilling with five, uh, four rigs we drilled last year through the rainy season. And, uh, you know, it slows you down a little bit in terms of moves, but you can do it. Um, you know, the, the, the issue, I suppose, really is where do you prioritize your drilling meters and your dollars? And so that is a constantly um, changing thing. Besides the infill drilling that we're talking about that we've just been discussing at MG at Central and this new discovery at PDM, we are testing a number of these regional targets, but we're not going to be able to test them all. We've got some good drill results. A number of those are planned for, for drilling uh, this year. Um, which maybe Rory can take a few words, uh, say a few words about uh, some of the targets we plan to test regionally this year. But um, you know, Rory, care to elaborate on that? Um, we've also got uh, we've also got restrictions in terms of timing on some of the tenements. Um, so there's uh, a large tenement to the north and to the south of the two main uh, mining applications, which we need to do uh, the minimum amount of work before. Uh, March and April next year, not 2023. So we benefited uh, with a, basically a hiatus on all the uh, expiry dates on, on a lot of these targets, these areas which contain these targets with the uh, mining department because of COVID. Uh, but now we're actually, we have to actually set aside some of our resources to put together uh, a preliminary resource on, on each of those target areas. So. We do have a lot to do. I mean, it's a large area. And as Alan points out, it's all a matter of uh, priorities. You know, where can we be? We can't be ever at the same time, unfortunately. But uh, uh, we could put a number of rigs on this without any problems, but not targets. I'm just going to say, uh, this is some of these targets. I mean, look, look, what you're looking at now is this is a magnetic map all these white spidery lines are the areas where gold was produced from the stream. So they're, they're, this is where all the placer deposits were. You're looking at the, the rainbow colours in the background, the magnetic. So magnetic data here is very important. But in terms of targets, all these yellow dots are different targets. Now, here we've just picked out ones where we've got very high uh, grades in surface float. I've got another version of this map that shows actually targets where, which we've drilled with with some, you know, where we've got actually drill results on. Uh, some of these targets are really fantastic. I mean, this Trakajar one, which we're going to be drilling this year, you know, the surface float here, and it is only float boulders on surface, are averaging 74 grams a tonne. Yeah. This one's even higher. You know, there are some stunning things, uh, uh, different different targets here. So so there's quite a lot going on. Thank you. No, that's, that's, that's really useful. Um. So clearly, you've got the, uh, the competing priorities. You've got to drill out the primary. You've got to drill out the oxides, and you've got to show scale and potential on, on the region. So I understand you're dealing with a bunch of priorities. Um, what's uh, two, two really quick questions, kind of interim questions. One is, what's your assay turnaround time like? And secondly, what's the um, uh, topography like and the vegetation access? I mean, is, is, it, is it secondary jungle, and kind of how, how, how easy is it for you to get in and move around on the ground? Assay turnaround time right now is uh, around about four to six weeks. Sometimes it's a little bit longer, sometimes it's a little bit faster. Obviously, it's been impacted somewhat by the COVID situation and probably will be impacted by COVID for, some t for the next few months. Um, in terms of how easy this is to get around, this is sort of rolling topography. We're not, we're not high up in the Andes Mountains or anything like that. It's rolling. The maximum top difference in topographic elevation is between 80 and 100 metres. Um, so some of this area is forested, some of it is subsistence farming. There are uh, dirt roads running all over this area. Um, so it's quite easy to get around. There's a, there's a community here. There's a, 
a, a small little village left over from the gold rush days that was founded during the gold rush about 40 years ago. So um, there's about 400 people live there. So we have a camp in there and um, you know, that's where we base ourselves. So it's, is, is it subsistence farming and gold panning? Is that still very much a thing in the area? Uh, is there a kind of a culture of gold panning? Yeah, there is, but but obviously not on the sort of same sort of scale that it was during the gold rush times of the 1980s. And back then, there were an estimated 20,000 people at Kuyu Kuyu. I certainly wasn't around back back then. I never heard of Kuyu Kuyu, but that's what the government tells us. Now, right now, there's probably between 50 and 60 individual people working in the whole area. Um, so there's still, you know, mostly uh, easy placer gold here, Martin, has been, uh, Merlin has been exploited. So, um so, you know, there is still a little bit of that. that. That's very common. In fact, most of these areas still have a few people working uh, the, the remnant alluvial material. Just uh, one comment to add to that, uh, Merlin, is the, the accessibility. Um, you know, obviously it's a challenge. It's Amazon. When it rains a lot, it uh, makes logistics difficult. But we've chosen specifically the Gold rigs, which are manned portable rigs, which you can actually transport in right through the winter. Um, and the platform size is the size of a small office, not very big at all, uh, five by six metres or so, and they can be brought in, in in a modular format. So the diamond drilling we can do anywhere, all through the year. Um, our little RC rigs, on it's track-mounted, rubber track-mounted. Um, it's adapted very well. We get, get a lot of access. We've got a fleet of heavy equipment to help in the logistics. The, the larger rig, the RC rig that Alan mentioned previously, that was a problem. In the summer, it was fine, but in the winter, you just be banging your head against the wall. So we're, we're keeping a fleet of, of drilling equipment, which is very flexible and easy to move around. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we're using man-portable uh, rigs in Ecuador as well. I mean, some of the vegetation is quite thick, and it's, and it's good to be able to get it in and out. Um, so let's talk about the oxides. Um, some of it you said is in lake sediments. You've got kind of 20 meters of lake sediments, but I've, I've seen you've also got other areas where you've got 50, 60 meters of, of oxide depth. So um, it's, it's clearly a, a mix of different materials. When you're, and are you drilling these with angled holes um, to pick up any kind of um, vertical components? We're, we're drilling, uh, we've drilled the oxides mainly with RC, RC holes. And a lot of that drilling has been, uh, some of it's been vertical, some of it's been angled. Um, Merlin. So look, I, I, maybe what I'll do is I'll just, I'll just pull up right now a, a typical cross-section. This is a, a cross-section through the MG deposit to give you some sort of idea of the, of the oxide deposit here. So um, look, what you're looking at here, on the left, um, what you're looking at with this sort of coloured blob, um, the blue and, and the red, that is the actual this is a map view of the uh, horizontal extent of the blanket. Now these Lines going through the middle of the deposit are the, is the primary deposit which underlies it. Now, the redder zones within this blanket here are obviously higher grades. So there was higher grades actually sit on top, no surprise, of the primary deposit. If you look at a section through it, um, sorry, uh, if you look at a section through it, you know, here's the primary deposit here sitting in the pink uh, granitic rocks, the fresh rocks. All this material up here, uh, above this dashed line is basically this blanket material. And as you might expect, the grades are better and the, and the blanket, the oxide blanket material is thicker uh, where, you know, immediately in the vicinity of where the uh, underlying deposit comes through. So this particular hole that I'm pointing to now, 
that that the blanket there that's that's 60 meters that's an angle hole but it's 60 meters at 3.5 Yep. Uh, grams a ton. That's a bit atypical. That is, we do have you know, obviously the better grades are closest to where this underlying deposit comes through. But you know, thirty meters at half a gram, twenty-eight meters at half a gram. Um, you know, uh, these are these are these are these are very good numbers for oxide material. Um, so um, you know, it, it is a laterally quite extensive um, blanket area. We think the blanket at MG is now about forty hectares in in size, and it's still open. In fact. Uh, down here towards the southeast, we just reported last week, we're starting to get indications that there could be more of this oxide material outside of the current limits uh, of that blanket. Thank you. And can you just talk through the kind of the, the heat map on that? So you, you, that's, a, that's a nice little plot, the gram meter. So, um, Yeah, basically, this is very simple. It, it's a grams gold. So these are all drill results, which have been, which Willie has summarized here. It's grams per tonne gold times meters and so all you're doing is you're summing how, what your grade is by the number of meters you've got and so obviously the, the the thicker and higher grade portions of the deposit are um are in the center here immediately overlying this uh, the primary deposit which as i said are these sort of uh, east west trending lines which is obviously uh, these primary zones coming through here so um that, that, yeah that bottom figure there that on the, on the scale, 80% is greater than 11.8. So let's call that 12 for my maths. So that could be um, 30 meters at um, 0.3 grams gold. Correct. Or, or 12 meters at one gram a ton. Yeah. Or 24 yeah. meters at half a gram a ton. Now, yeah. the other thing is, I mean, we don't, we don't obviously have a resource on this blanket material or on any of these uh, blanket deposits yet. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got we've got a lot, a lot more work to do. Now, the interesting thing is that because this material is so going to be so low cost to to mine and process, the actual cutoff grade, not the top cut, the actual cutoff. So that's that's the minimum grade that you would mine um, for this type of blanket material. Is obviously going to be much much lower than um, than the hard rock material. So uh, you know, we anticipate. Well, we don't yet know, but. Uh, we think a sort of a good rule of thumb here for the, the actual bottom, the, 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 the cutoff for the oxide material, it's probably going to be in the order of about 0.1 grams a tonne. Yeah, I remember. Much lower um, than the hard rock. I remember um, when I was working in Brazil being um, amazed at Muro Douro, which was their old Rio Tinto, which is now Paracatu. And that was the average yes. grade was 0.4 grams a tonne. And I was thinking to myself, crikey. And it's all about the, the processing cost and the, the mining cost, free dig, easy processing. Yeah, and that, that's Brazil's biggest gold mine. I mean, most people, you know, most people, uh, retail investors that I know, um, they, wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't get too excited about 0.3 grams a tonne or a third of a gram a tonne. Well, Brazil's biggest gold mine, which is owned 100% by Kinross, and it is Kinross's biggest gold mine, Brazil's biggest gold mine as well, the average grade there is about a third of a gram, as you just mentioned. And, and it's tens and tens of millions of ounces. They've got about 25 million ounces of resources. Now, you know, so, you know, everybody these days is looking for high grade and chasing high grade drilling sets. But um, there are massive amounts of money to be made with um, lower grade deposits if they are sitting on surface and they are very easy and uh, cheap to mine and process. If you're going to look at... Um these oxide deposits, and you've got two obvious processing routes. One is heat bleach, one is CIL, and a bit of gravity than CIL. 
Um, to go down the heat leach route, you need to know that it's going to behave sensibly on a pad. You know, that you can't have too much. Well, the Correct. Clays can be a problem. Um, yes. Um, you might need mm -hmm. agglomeration. You might need, um, you know, flocculants, whatever it is. It's just, um, it, um, you've got to understand the metallurgy of your oxide, mm -hmm. um, but not just kind of the behavior of the gold, but also kind of flow rates and, and the whole, that whole shebang. Um, Correct. How are you getting on in that process? I know you've done some um, um, smaller bulk samples, but yeah, I don't think you've done trial mining. Am I... Talk to me about that, please. Okay, so look, you correctly point out that with this oxide material, understanding the metallurgy is absolutely key. Can this material be processed via heat leach? Um, uh, that's one uh, potential, because if it can, it, the processing costs here would be, be very, very cheap. If not, it's probably be a combination of and or gravity processing and CIL, which is still pretty cheap, but not as cheap as heat leach. We drilled five diamond holes last year with, with specifically for the metallurgical test work. And, and Rory and Willie have done a cracking job of actually getting those samples organized. And they're currently, there's about just under half a ton of material at Caps Cassidy, uh, which is a, a you know, well-known metallurgical laboratory in Nevada. So uh, those materials are being processed. We will know how amenable this material will be to heat leach. We, we expect to get preliminary results in March. Um, final results will probably take a little bit longer, but uh, we'll get some sort of idea in uh, in March on, the, on that material. And then, you know, based on that, once we know how amenable this material is and what the processing route is, we'll then look at... Uh, completing a scoping study here, probably quite quickly after that, um, probably, you know, during the second, third quarter of uh, this year. Um, how claggy does it feel? Does it, does it, when you look at it, does it feel pretty claggy? Oh, clay, clay. No, I, did, uh, I did say claggy. Uh, yeah, right. It's a, it's a combination of, uh, you know, some of it's more clay rich, some of it's soil, some of it's sand. I mean, it's uh, so, you know, how much of that we don't yet know it's a little bit early to tell but we've got it, it's not all uniform material that's for sure great well um yeah and i mean you know i know i mean just look at um iron fury and um it, you know that was a great little heat leach plant built by um heat leach mine built by clough for a couple of hundred thousand dollars and it chucked out fifty thousand ounces of gold for um 10 years it was just fantastic but so you're, you're, the returns on the heat leach it can be phenomenal so <clears throat> Absolutely. Fingers, um, fingers crossed and um, keep an eye out for that. Good. Yeah. So I mean, look, look, I think, I think, um, you know, you're involved in a junior exploration company. We've all been working in, in, in the junior side of companies uh, for quite some time. The real challenge with uh, junior exploration, junior mining is dilution and mitigating the dilutionary effect on your capital structure. We have a very exciting gold project. There's obviously a whole series of gold deposits here in close proximity. Um, we have two defined right now. We've made a series of recent discoveries. The real challenge here, Merlin, is, you know, how do you actually realize the, the, the potential of this property and, 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 and how do you uh, get to a point where you know how, many, how much gold you have and how many gold deposits you have? without sort of completely blowing out the capital structure, without con continually financing, drilling, diluting, financing, drilling, diluting. Um, so we have an opportunity with this oxide material to break that cycle. 
And rather than keep going back to the market and diluting our capital structure, you know, we're going to be looking very hard this year about going into it with a small little uh, perhaps heat leach operation or a gravity plant or something like that as a means to generating some cash um, to actually pay, to to actually potentially become self-funding. So that's quite exciting. There aren't many companies that have that opportunity, but we do. Yeah, no, really exciting. Now, um, you had a fantastic, on the, on the capital markets, you had a fantastic 2020, um, but it's been difficult in 2021. Um, that's a, been a wider market thing for precious metals. Now, I firmly believe that this is going to be a great year for precious metals as real interest rate rates and negative and inflation bites. Um, but in terms of um, what th- the things that you can control in terms of the catalysts that you're bringing, um, what are your, uh, we've spoken about the kind of metallurgical results, uh, March, April, end of Q1. Um, what are your other kind of um, milestones for 2022 that you can see kind of in the year ahead or even the six months? Yeah. Well, I think, y- you know, um, with four rigs running, it's obviously generating a massive amount of drill drill results. So uh, a lot of that drilling is infill drilling, and some of it is testing some of these regional targets. So, you know, each set of drill results is a potential catalyst. Um, it has been a very difficult market, particularly in the last uh, sort of 12 months or so. I, you know, we share your optimism regarding this year. Um, but drill results, um, obviously, the metallurgical work that I mentioned um, with the preliminary results in March and probably the final results in the middle of the second quarter uh, is obviously a major catalyst. Beyond that, scoping study on the oxide material. Um, further on, uh, further towards the end of this year, we'll, we hope to be in a position to update the global resource estimate for the, for the whole district. And this obviously will consist of multiple deposits, the oxide material, the new discovery at PDM, the primary discovery at PDM. Mashishi, we haven't talked about Mashishi. That's a discovery from 18 months ago, another primary primary zone that we're planning more drilling on. So I think those are the main things to look for um, this year. Rory's working very hard on the permitting side too. So we've got, uh, we're expecting to make some significant advances this year on permitting too. So uh, I think it'll be another exciting year. And last year we had a, we had a, we had a cracking year in terms of technical success. It was just unfortunate that the market was a little bit uh, sort of negative and, and, the, and the stock didn't respond, but hopefully this year it will. Well, I mean, in terms of technical delivery of what you're looking to deliver this year, I mean, it's ex- extraordinary because you're hitting all of the, you're hitting the exploration growth, you're hitting the resource re-rating and you've got the scoping study as well. So, I, I mean, I wish you every luck uh, and, and um, good fortune with it. Um, it, God, it's been a strange market. Um, do, do you feel that Brazil has changed in people's minds, you know, with the Sabania takeover of the Appian portfolio, um, with G-mining earlier in the year? Um, I mean, do you think it's, it's very much on people's radar screens now, Brazil? I mean, how, how do, when you're marketing it internationally, what do people say to you? What, do they kind of give a shrug when it's um, Brazil or do they say, no, we're, we're, we're with you? I think perceptions about Brazil and the opportunity in Brazil are sort of changing. Um, and they're changing because there's been quite a few uh, positive developments um, in terms of changes to the mining law and the permitting process um, uh, that have made Brazil a more attractive place to invest for foreign companies who want to attract it, who want to invest in the resource sector. I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned G-mining, but let's not forget, I mentioned Kinross, 
But there are some big companies that, that are actively mining for gold in Brazil. And, uh, you know, uh, Equinox, one of the fastest growing gold producers um, uh, right now, has four mines in Brazil. You've got Anglo Gold Ashanti, which has two big mining complexes in, in Brazil. They're very active there. You've got uh, Yamana. You know, they've got the Jacobina deposit. You've got London Mining. Um, that's got uh, Chapada. So, you know, there's a whole, and then there's a whole sort of series of, of smaller companies, some of them mining like Great Panther, um, you, you know, Jaguar mining, et cetera, et cetera. It is a very dynamic um, place to, uh, to work in because the, the geology here is just amazing. It's, it's still uh, virtually unexplored terrain. There is a lot of major new discoveries going to come out of Brazil in the next 10 to 20 years. And I think, we're going to be at the forefront of that. You know, we've, we, we as a team have been fortunate enough to be involved in a number of gold discoveries in Brazil. And we think uh, we, we're optimistic we'll be um, lucky enough to be involved in a number of number more. But, um, yeah, we've always believed in the, in the uh, potential of the country. It's a place here that you can work 12 months of the year. Um, you know, the, the Brazilian real right now has devalued somewhat against most of the major currencies. And so it, you, you get more bang for your buck. When investing in Brazil, um, things are you know relatively uh, are cheaper than they were just 12 months ago. If you're bringing dollars into the country, so and it's got a skilled workforce. So uh, you know this isn't somewhere where there's a news hiatus and winter sets in and there's no everything's frozen and you can't you can't do any drill work or do anything for six months. Brazil's not like that. This you know the, the area we work crops grow 12 months of the year. Everything grows all the time. So. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's a very, very interesting place to, to work. And let's not forget that, as you know, as a geologist, that several hundred million years ago, uh, this part of the world was stuck next to West Africa. West Africa, obviously, is very prolific in terms of its, uh, in terms of its gold endowment and the number of very big gold mines in West Africa. And indeed, uh, you know, there, is, there are a lot of gold mines, big gold mines in Brazil and, and, um, and other parts of uh, uh, northeast, uh, south, southern, South American continent. So, you know, we're optimistic there'll be a number of more more discoveries will be made here. Alan, Willie, Rory, thank you so much. It's been a it's been a really good uh, update. I, I certainly feel as if I've got a much better understanding now of the kind of the technical side of the of the company. Um, I look forward to seeing how your updates come through during the year. Uh, there's nothing quite like landing on a flight at Guarulhos Airport and just hearing that Brazilian Portuguese being spoken. You just think, right, I'm back home. It just it feels so good. Um, it's, it's yeah, an extraordinary country. And uh, what you've done in the last 12 months is, 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 is great. And I look forward to seeing um, how you get on over the next 12 months. Thank you very much. Thank you, Merlin.